You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This A's Cast download is brought to you by Link Soul. Go to LinkSoul.com and by Nest Bedding. Love where you sleep. Go to NestBedding.com. A's Farm Podcast. I'm your host, AthleticsFarm.com Editor-in-Chief Bill Moriarty. And today, we're going to be taking an inside look at the A's top picks from the 2023 draft. We'll be talking with a man in charge of it all for the A's, Scouting Director Eric Kubota, who's now in his 22nd season as the A's Scouting Director. Hey, thanks for joining me today, Eric. My pleasure, Bill. So, uh, you know, as you know, we always uh, like to talk to you about uh, some of the top picks from the draft each year. Uh, but but before we, we start digging deep into that, you know, I just wanted to ask you uh, how it feels when you see guys like uh, Tyler Soderstrom, Zach Geloff, you know, fairly recent draft picks, high draft picks for the A's. When you see them getting that first call to the major leagues and you're able to see them in the green and gold there, you know, on the big league field, just, uh, you know, as, as the scouting director, just to, just how does that feel to you personally when you get to see those guys get that call? Yeah, that's that's you know kind of the uh, the end that we're we're looking for. You know, that's that's the the culmination of all the uh, hard work, all the time on the road, and um, time spent collaborating with with our other scouts. Um, you know, it doesn't matter if they're Zach who was drafted um, a few years ago, or you know guys that were drafted seven or eight years ago, um, we're just excited about any of them. Seeing any of them put the uh, white cleats on is very, very exciting for us. Yeah, no, I I would imagine it's got to be. And then I wanted to ask you about last year's top draft pick for you, uh, catcher Daniel Susak, uh, who you uh, made your first round pick last year. Uh, He's playing this year in Lansing been hitting well he's been hitting over 300 um i think he's leading the team in hits and rbis he's been hitting a lot of doubles so uh just curious to know what your impressions are of last year's first round pick during his first full season in pro ball this year and and maybe how what you're seeing out of him compares to what you uh imagined seeing out of him when you scouted him in college um i think it's uh he's he's kind of uh fulfilling what we w- would have expected or what we hope to see uh this first this first full season out um you know swinging the bat well um reports are that the defense continues to to improve i mean arm strength's never been an issue he's ha- having to learn how to manage his efforts um just because catching in professional baseball is so different because of the you know uh, load of games that that you have to deal with but uh i mean for all for all of us i mean daniel's had a very successful first season yeah no certainly from what i can see from my perspective anyway it looks like uh you'd have to be pretty happy with uh, his development in his first uh, full season here um i want to dive into these top 10 picks and uh tell me if i'm if i'm correct but uh i believe that you you've signed or agreed to terms with uh, uh the top six picks from the the first five rounds of the draft this year is is that correct are you able to confirm that um uh 
I believe I am able to confirm <laughs> that. <laughs> um, yeah, I, what I would say is uh, we don't uh, we don't think there'll be any issues getting getting these top ten guys, the top ten round guys signed, and uh, um, we should have them out uh, playing in Arizona shortly. Good, good, good. Um, we'll, we'll, we obviously look forward to seeing all these guys uh, hit the field uh, before long. So let's start out with your top pick this year. As everyone, everyone I think, uh, who follows these things knows what happened with the draft lottery. We know you ended up with the sixth overall pick. Uh, that's uh, not much you can do about that. You just got to work with what you got. And um, with your first pick, you took shortstop Jacob Wilson out of uh, GCU. And, uh, you know, I'm just curious to know, uh, with that sixth pick, you're looking at the guys on the board, what was it about Jacob Wilson that really stood out most to you that, that made him the, uh, the obvious choice for the, uh, for the Oakland A's with the sixth overall pick? Well, it's really two things with Jacob. I mean, you, you've got the defensive aspect of what he does, and then the fact that he's uh, just an elite uh, uh, contact maker. If that, for, yeah. for lack of a, it, it doesn't. Uh, that's not very uh, uh, eloquent, but uh, he he can make contact. He hasn't struck out. Um, he struck out less than ten times the last last two years. Uh, each year, he's hit more homers than than uh, strikeouts. Uh, so it's it's pretty incredible what he can do as far as making contact. Um, we really really like the defense, and we think those two skills alone um, really lend themselves to him being a good big leaguer. Now, when you look at a player like Jacob Wilson, though. How much do you look at aspects of his game that, that you feel confident that the A's may be able to develop uh, in the future? Uh, are there aspects of his game that you look at that way? Well, I think there's a, a natural physical mat- uh, maturation process that will continue to um, kind of happen. Um, uh, Jacob will be the first to, to say he really didn't start working out with weights till he got to college. Um, his dad didn't really want him working out with weights uh, prior to that. Um, we just we think there's a, a frame there to build on. So we think that uh, you know there there'll be a little bit more power um, to what he does as he uh, continues to get stronger. Um, but the fact that he makes contact and the fact that he can really really play defense, those two skills are are really foundational and then. Both are, you know, uh, great building blocks for us to, to move forward with. Right. Now, I, I know uh, Jacob's father, Jack Wilson, was a major league st- shortstop, but uh, do you have any other uh, comps for him as a player? Um, well, I'm not saying that he is going to be this player, but it came up more than once amongst our scouts that his, his skills are, are somewhat Jeter-like. Um, and I think it's just, it's, it's not huge, huge tools, but just, uh, uh, an innate ability to play the game, um, stays inside the baseball well and, and, and uses the off field, things like that. So, and we just think he's got a, a really strong makeup. So, um, yeah, Teeter came up quite a bit, um, 
in our conversations about him. I, I think maybe that plays into sort of an impression I got from things I was hearing where he just sort of, you know, has a presence on the field. He sort of is able to sort of, you know, take charge in the infield and, and always sort of be on top of the game or, or whatever's happening or whatever situation's going on. Is that is that an impression you had as well? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, he, you can tell he's been around the game a lot. Um, one interesting note is, is he uh, played high school baseball with Max Muncy. Right. Um, I think he was uh, a year or two behind Max at uh, Thousand Oaks. So um, they've already got a relationship. And uh, but I think that has always, you know, I I've talked to to Max about about uh, Jacob and gotten his impressions. But I think this. The knowledge of the game is is something that's always kind of uh, stood out with Jacob. Well, you know, and something I wanted to ask you about as well, which applies to your your second pick too, uh, Miles Naylor, is is the importance of of those major league bloodlines. You know, I mean, I, I think that's something everybody in the game values a little bit. You know, having a player who's literally grown up around the game, just kind of has a sensibility about how things work, how to conduct themselves. But how much do you factor those major league bloodlines in when when you know just evaluating a player? Right. It it comes up. Um, we don't, I mean, we put some stock in it for sure. Um, and, and like when it comes to Miles case, I mean, just the fact that, uh, all three brothers are close to the same age and the, you know, the two ahead of him are, um, uh, they've just performed at a high level for, for a high school kid. So, um, He's not going to be. He's he's seen them go through it. He's seen what they've had to do, and he's not going to be uh, awed by by going out from you know Canada to to professional baseball. Right. So let's talk a little bit more about your your second overall pick, Miles Naylor, who you took took in the competitive balance round. He's a, a high school infielder out of Canada, and uh, obviously your top high school pick this year. Um, he, he's he's a young guy. We know he's got the Major League bloodlines. Both his brothers are playing for uh, Cleveland. Um, but tell me what made you want to go with the young guy, the high school kid, with your second overall pick in the draft this year. What really stood out about Miles Naylor for you? We think there's a, a just a ton of upside in the bat. Um, you know, he all the brothers can hit. I mean, Josh was uh, maybe a, a little bit advanced as far as pure hit at the same age, but uh, we think uh, Miles is a, kind of ahead of Josh with, with power potential. Um, we just like uh, the bat, and we, we do think that he's got a chance to be um, a really good defender once, once you know, he really starts uh, emphasizing that part of his game. Uh, speaking of defending, I know in, in high school he was primarily a shortstop, but I believe that, that the plan is for him to primarily play third base uh, as a pro. Is that is that your understanding as well? Um, I'm sure he'll go out and play play some shortstop to begin with. Um, you know, we try and, and um, you know, work on versatility for all our, our young infielders, so I'm sure he'll move around and, and play some different spots. We do think he may – there may come a time, you know, in his career when – he kind of outgrows the position, gets bigger and stronger, and, and is is better suited over at the third base rather than shortstop. Right. 
And uh, did you have any uh, sort of comp to offer on uh, Miles Naylor? Yeah, once again, uh, I don't want to say this is who he's going to be, but um, at the same age, he really reminds me of Nolan Arenado, um, kind of a similar body with a really advanced bat. Um, there were some there, there were questions about Nolan and what kind of defender he was going to be. Um, and I think we can agree he's turned out okay. So. <laughs> yeah, d- uh, definitely. I think uh, we'd, we'd settle for even half a Nolan Arenado, probably. Right. right. <laughs> so, all right. So on the second ra- in the second round, uh, with your your final pick of the first day of the draft, you went with uh, outfielder Ryan Lasko out of uh, Rutgers, and um, it looks like he's maybe a, a power hitter with a with a little speed. Um, you know, Rutgers isn't a huge program, but it seems like there's a lot of guys over the years that, you know, you guys tend to tend to find out of Rutgers. And um, Ryan Lasko is, is the, the latest one. But tell me what it was you liked about him that made you want to make him your second round pick this year. He's just uh, very strong and very athletic. Um, we think he's uh, can play plus defense in center field. Um, he can run. He can throw. Um, and he's definitely hit home runs in his career there. Um, yeah, one of our scouts uh, compared him to Ramon Laureano. Um, and it, thinking about it, it's it's actually a really good comp. I mean, he's strong. He can throw, play center field, um, and he hits hits home runs. So um, we're, we're hoping that we can kind of help him finish off the bat. Um, we think there's there's room for him to improve there. Um, but if he does hit a little bit more, that it's just going to mean more power production as well. Right. Well, I guess anytime you can find a, a power hitter with speed who seems genuinely capable of of sticking in center field, that that's probably pretty much all you need to know right there, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, you would take every Ryan Lasko you can get and take your chance. <laughs> right. Uh, okay. So now you know day two of the draft was kind of interesting. Um, uh, because you, you started out with a couple of high school pitchers. We all know that, that even with the most talented high school pitchers, high school pitchers always carry a certain amount of risk with them. And uh, your third-round pick, you went with right-hander Steven Echevarria out of New Jersey. And uh, obviously, he's um, he's got some talents that made you want to go that high with him in the draft. I, I think it's been a number of years since you guys have gone with a high school pitcher, you know, in the early rounds of the draft. So tell me what it was that, that excited you so much about Steven Echevarria that, that made you want to make him your third round pick this year. Uh, well, we, first off, we have a lot of scouts with Jersey roots. So um, we have a lot of, lot of uh, just a, uh, a lot of information on guys from Jersey. So, I mean, all the feedback we got as far as um, makeup and things like that was were, was very positive when it came to Steven. Um, on the field, uh, he he's up to 97. Um, flashes of a plus breaking ball. It can go. It can kind of waver in between the curveball and the slider at times. Um, but he's always been a competitor. Um, his stuff really jumped up this spring. But he's always been a competitor and always been a strike thrower. So we just think there's a yeah a, a lot of upside to the stuff still, and the fact that he's a, a strike thrower and a competitor. I think we just like the the chances for it all to come together, and, and are excited to see what happens when it does. 
Yeah, if I'm correct, I think it was a pretty rare day that he ever gave up a run in high school, too. <laughs> so <laughs> right. That, that helps. <laughs> um, uh, did you have a comp uh, to offer on uh, Steven Echevarria? Yeah, one of our scouts, uh, or a couple of our scouts, actually men- mentioned uh, Jake Odorizzi. Mm-hmm. And now the uh, fourth-round pick this year was another high school uh, right-hander, Cole Miller, out of uh, Newberry Park in Southern California. And uh, if I'm correct, I believe he, he's, a, he's a pretty big uh, kid, pretty physically ma- mature kid. Uh, but, but tell me what, what made you want to go with another high school pitcher like Cole Miller there in the fourth round. Uh, once again, betting on, on the upside. Uh, we think there's, there's more fastball development there. Um, he is big. Uh, I don't think we, we think he's physically m- mature by any means. We think there's m- uh, more strength gains to be had. Um, he, we've seen him up to 96, 97, um, and he's another guy who's flashed the plus slider that can kind of get in between a uh, slider and a curveball at times. Um, but like with, with every high school pitcher, you know, there's, there's some risk and, and, um, inherent risk that comes with taking them. So, mm-hmm. um, for us, we felt like rolling the dice on, on Steven and Cole, guys like that in the third and fourth rounds made more sense in our situation with what we had to work with at the, at the time. Yeah, you know, um, it's interesting. On Like I say, we all, we all know there's inherent risk on these high school pitchers. And I, I remember talking to Farhan about this years ago, the, the ability to assess potential injury risk, particularly for pitchers that you may be drafting. Um, has there been any sort of advancement in, in your abilities to, to sort of look at guys and analyze their medicals or analyze how they throw to, that would increase your ability to, to assess the, the level of injury risk that might be inherent in, in, in individual players? I think we look at it often as they're all going to get hurt. So all <laughs> pitchers get hurt. But yeah, that's an area we're continuing to, to, to research and continuing to try and improve. Um, and we think we're better now than we were a year ago or two years ago. And uh, we're just continuing to try and, and get better. Um, it's, you know, once again, for us, it, it it's, easier to take that risk at maybe a little lower bonus level than at the top, top part of the draft. That being said, um, we really, really love Noble Meyer from, from Oregon um, this, this spring too. So um, it's, it's, it's a risk. And then, and you, and you see him, you see all pitchers getting hurt for one. Um, But you see these these high school pitchers who have done really well um, get hurt just because we're probably be, because we're putting more strain on their arms at a younger age. Mm-hmm. They're just getting hurt a little earlier. So, <laughs> well, I, I guess if they get hurt earlier, maybe you can get that Tommy John out of the way early in the game. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> All right. So you with your fifth round pick, you took your first college pitcher uh, of the draft. And that's uh, right-hander Nathan Detmer out of Texas A&M. You know, I, I mean, I, I looked at his stats, and I know, you know, he had a, a pretty lofty ERA at Texas A&M. So I'm imagining there must have, 
you know, been something about his stuff that, that really impressed you, that, that you guys really liked, that you thought you might be able to, to work with and, uh, and develop. But you tell me what you saw out of Nathan Detmer. No, we, we really like the sinker. Um, he's got a, a, a power sinker. Uh, he's got a, a breaking ball to complement that. Um, we think his uh, inconsistencies came from um, command a lot of times. So um, we've kind of found for us that it's it's um, that we've been more successful kind of taking stuff and trying to let Gil and his staff harness that stuff um, rather than, um, you know, the opposite way around trying to develop the stuff um, in, in strike throwers. So um, we prefer strike throwers with stuff, number one, but – um, as as you get further into the draft, you kind of have to pick your poison, so to speak. And we really like uh, Nathan. He's he's physical. He's got a, a power sinker, and we don't think he's far off from from you know kind of changing the way those those numbers look. Uh, yeah, no, it's interesting that you say that because it does seem to me in the the recent years that the A's focus has been more to the stuff guys. If if they can throw those. Uh, get those strikeouts even if they're even if the the command and the control is questionable it seems like they focus on those guys even in terms of guys they might pick up off the waiver wire or whatever it seems like the team is has really been pretty heavily focused in recent times on on those guys with the big stuff and then you you just figure out okay can we can we rein it in you know can we can we right. teach them command and i guess you've determined that's that's the easier route to go for you I don't know. I don't know if it's easy. Um, <laughs> you know, be, even, be less even, difficult, even, <laughs> right? <laughs> even easier is, is maybe putting it uh, uh, being too nice. But uh, I, I think it's it's baseball in general. I mean, the the stuff in the bullpens in the, the major leagues is, is incredible, and that's just where the game has gone. Yeah. You know? No, definitely uh, we we can see that. Um, so, uh, do you have any comps to offer on uh, Nathan Detmer or the the previous pick also that we discussed, uh, Cole Miller too? Yeah, one of our uh, scouts of my era and probably your era uh, brought brought up uh, uh, Jason Schmidt, just a, a oh, sure. big physical high school right hander that uh, yeah, people in the Bay Area should know. So. And, and also a, a former Scott Boris client, I believe. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> um, uh, and what about uh, Cole? Uh, um, uh, uh, so I did I did not have a good one for Detmer. So. Uh, okay, okay. So Schmidt was for Cole Miller, and uh, Detmer's one of a kind, uh, <laughs> <laughs> or one or one of. Many. Yeah, right, exactly. right, right, right. Okay, so moving on to the sixth round. Uh, yeah, uh, we we left this the string of three pitchers in the third, fourth, and fifth, and uh, uh, you went to, back to another outfielder, Jonah Cox, out of uh, Oral Roberts. And um, you know, it seems to be like he, a, a bit like your first pick, Jacob Wilson. He seems to be a bit of a contact hitter. Um, and uh, then maybe like your second round pick, Ryan Lasco, seems to be pretty natural center fielder. But tell me what uh, what uh, impressed you about Jonah Cox? The the strength and athleticism again, and and you know, stop me if I sound like a broken record. But um, <laughs> yeah, he's he's big. Um, his game, interestingly, is not really based on power. It's, it's more of a um, contact-oriented, a little old school in a lot of ways. 
but we think there is power to, to develop. Um, he can really run. He's he's physical. Um, we just like the the upside to the athlete and uh, and the performance too. Right, and and he he is, uh, if I'm correct, another guy that that you see capable of sticking as a center fielder as well, right? Yeah. Yep. Um, uh, did you have any comp to offer on Jonah Cox? Um, uh, one of our scouts uh, went with Hunter Pence. Okay. Kind of a, a quirk, quirky um, game doesn't really fit in any any kind of uh, you know uh, in any mold right. that's that's already that's already uh, already there. It's kind of his, he's his own mold. So kind of a unique package. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, now in the seventh round, you went with another outfielder, uh, Nate Nankill, out of uh, uh, Fullerton. And um, if I'm correct again, I, th- I think I think he's an, another guy that that primarily profiles as a bit of a contact hitter as well. But uh, you tell me uh, what your impressions were of uh, of Nate Nankill. Kind of the opposite of that. Even though he has not hit with power, uh, we do think there's power coming. Um, our our scouts felt that way, and our analytics people felt uh, with the measurables uh, that uh, there was power to untap there so and he's very young for his class uh so it's a, an upside college draft uh I, I, like I said i think like i said historically if you look at the stats he, he uh, profiles as more of a contact hitter but i guess your your guys saw there was power in there that you believe you can develop is has there been more of a, a focus lately uh for the organization on guys who can make contact or is that just sort of a circumstantial thing that I, I, you know, have noted? Um, I don't, I'm not sure it's intentional. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say there was a time when we, um, got really, really power focused, um, because power is hard to, to, to buy, you know, on the open right. market, especially for a team like us. So, <laughs> um, but, uh, I, I think um, we've come to the real, at least, you know, at, at this moment, and we're always changing and always sure. trying to find a better way to do things. But uh, right now we're definitely leaning towards the hitter. Um, did uh, did you have any sort of comp to offer on Nate Nankill at all? I didn't really. And, and just so to give you a heads up, but I did on Finley, and then I, I did not really have much on Avent and Reisinger. Um Okay. Who pitchers get harder and harder the farther right. down you get to try and distinguish them. So. <laughs> Figure out exactly who they're going to be. Um, yeah. um, uh, okay, so since you mentioned that, the, the final uh, three picks of, of the top ten rounds, the eighth, ninth, tenth picks, all right-handed college pitchers you went with there, um, you know, you, you – you, Looks like you're, you know, kind of trying to fill things out with some arms for the organization. So in the eighth round, you went with uh, righty Jackson Finley out of Georgia Tech, and um, you know, again, he's another guy. His, his, he had a pretty high ERA when you look at the stats, and um, uh, I believe he was a, a, a two-way player. I believe he's had Tommy John surgery, so there's lots of things going on with Jackson Finley. Right. But you, you tell me how what you saw out of him and and, that, and what you're foreseeing for him going forward. Um, what what we like um, is the, the physicality and the arm strength. I mean, he's routinely up, you know, to 96, 97. Um, 
and once again, as we talked about a little bit earlier, um, we're kind of uh, erring on the stuff in certain right. cases, and we we really like the upside to the stuff. Um, you know, it's it's gonna it's gonna be a project for Gil, but uh, I think he likes starting with those ninety six, ninety seven guys too. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and I think uh, Gil enjoys a good project too. So <laughs> for sure, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, and again, I know he was a two way player in college. I'm imagining you're, uh, from what I understand, you're you're just looking at it as as a, as a pitcher going forward. Is that correct? Yeah, we think he needs um, as much pitching development time as he can get at this point. So, right. um, you know, it's not to say it's a closed door somewhere down the road, but I think for right now we're just looking at him as a pitcher. Sure, and uh, I believe you said you, you did have a, a comp to offer on Jackson Finley. Yeah, this, the scout, the area scout, uh, Jamel Spearman kind of, uh, played in the Cubs system and, and, and thought, you know, Jackson reminded him a little bit of Kyle Farnsworth, just a big physical guy with a, a big arm strength. Right. And, uh, uh, I think you're, you're looking at Jackson Finley at least to start with as a, as, as a starter. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, generally we, we try and get these guys as, as many innings as possible right. when they're lower in the minor leagues. Um, some of them may show, you know, may show that they're they're just better suited for the bullpen, and and will make those decisions when when the time comes. Right now, in the ninth uh, round, you took another righty, Corey Avent, out of uh, Wingate, kind of a smaller school, and uh, you know, I know he was primarily pitching out of the bullpen there as well. So uh, tell me what uh, impressed you about Corey Avent, and uh, again, back to the question: Do you do you think he uh, sticks in the bullpen, or do you think he's going to get looked at as a starter as well? I think um, our scout definitely thinks he has enough of a mix to start. Um, and uh, um, he, what he's shown us right now are two plus pitches, a plus fastball and a plus curveball. So um, he's been very successful at a, at a really good D2 program. Um, and Quite frankly, the scout who signed him, Neil Avent, which is uh, kind of, yeah. (laughs) Um, But Neil's got a a really good track record. So, um, you know, in certain cases, we just uh, go with, go with guys that have been productive. Right, right. Well, I, I, I think you've probably had as many uh, first-round picks courtesy of Neil Avent as just about any any scout in the organization, <laughs> if I'm correct. <laughs> yeah, and he's got a he's got quite a few in the big leagues, too. So. <laughs> yeah, uh, so, uh, okay, good. So we're, we're taking uh, Avent's word on Avent in the ninth round. And right. uh, um, now in, to, to, to round out those top ten rounds, the 10th round pick was right-hander Tom Reisinger out of uh, East Stroudsburg. Uh, again, not not a you know super high-profile college again. Uh, but uh, when I looked at his numbers, uh, you know, looked like he's got some uh, pretty strong strikeout numbers there. So I'm I'm assuming that's one of the things that uh, drew your attention. But you you can tell me what uh, you saw out of Tom Reisinger. Well, we certainly like that, um, and. We also like the fact that our our scout in that area, Trip Falk, um, this was his guy. Uh, really, really loved Tom, and uh, you know did a great job kind of uh, finding him, so to speak. Um, there aren't many guys that are like hideout guys these days, <laughs> um, but you know he he found a guy that he really, really liked in the top ten rounds, 
um, at, a, at a small school and uh, um, keep us super excited to get him. So we're we're excited to see what happens. Oh, good. So uh, so he he he's one of your uh, secret ingredients there, uh, Tom Reisinger. To... <laughs> yeah, hopefully. Yes. <laughs> okay, great. Well, you know, it's um, always interesting every year to see how these drafts play out. As you know, every, everyone's a little different, and you can never be too sure of uh, you know how it's going to develop and how it's going to play out over the over the course of those rounds. But uh, you know, it certainly seems like there's a lot of you know interesting, intriguing. Uh, guys you took in this draft, particularly those, um, you know, those high school pitchers, if they can manage to stay healthy, um, you know, those are certainly very big upside guys. And, you know, if you can just hit on one of those guys, it sure makes a hell of a difference to the big league club. So sure. uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, let's hope like uh, Tyler Soderstrom and Zach Geloff, uh, you can uh, get the opportunity to enjoy se- seeing one of those guys in the green and gold in the next few years as well. So that'd be great. <laughs> so as always, we appreciate, you know, you taking the time to share your insights on these guys with us every year, Eric. So thanks again. We appreciate it. And uh, I know probably, uh, you know, in the next few days, you'll be out there scouting some guys for the 2024 draft. So um, <laughs> we'll we'll look forward to talking to you about that before before too long, too. So uh, thanks again. Take care. We'll look forward to everything uh, to come from these guys as they make their pro debuts here in the coming days. Sounds good. Thanks, Bill. And thanks to all of you out there for listening to this edition of our A's Farm podcast. Be sure to check back in for the next episode. And don't forget that you can always find updates on the A's top prospects and all the daily action in the A's minor league system on our A's Farm website at athleticsfarm.com. That's athleticsfarm.com. Thanks again. I'm A's Farm Editor-in-Chief Bill Moriarty, and we'll see you again down on the farm. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.